Brothers and sisters, do you have any idea? Do you have any notion or inkling whatsoever of how much we love you? For 10 hours, you watch fixed on one face at this pulpit sequentially. But for those same 10 hours, those of us seated behind this pulpit are fixed on you. You thrill us to the center of our soul. Whether that's the 21,000 here in the conference center or multitudes in meeting houses and chapels or finally millions around the globe in homes in some distant location, maybe huddled around a family computer screen. There you are. Here you are hour after hour in your Sunday best being your best you sing and you pray wherever you are in the world you listen and you believe you are the miracle of this church And we love you. What another remarkable, wonderful general conference we've had. We've especially been blessed by President Monson's presence and his prophetic messages. President, we love you. We pray for you. We thank you. And above all, we sustain you. We're grateful to have been taught by you and your marvelous counselors and so many of our other great men and women leaders who have come to this pulpit. We've heard again and again always incomparable music. We've been urgently prayed for and pled with. Truly, the Spirit of the Lord has been here in rich abundance. What an inspirational weekend it has been, again, in every way. Now, I do see a couple of problems. (laughs) One is the fact that I am the only person standing between you and the ice cream you always have ready at the close of General Conference. (laughs) I feel the weight of that burden. (laughs) The other potential problem is captured in this photo that I saw recently on the Internet. 
Now my apologies to all the children who are now under the sofa. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is none of us want tomorrow or the day after that to destroy the wonderful feelings we have had this weekend. We want to hold fast to the spiritual impressions we've had and the inspired teachings we have heard. But it's inevitable that after heavenly moments in our lives, we of necessity return to earth, so to speak, where sometimes less than ideal circumstances again face us. Paul warned us of this when he wrote, Call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. That post-illumination affliction can come in many ways, and it can come to all of us. Surely every missionary who has ever served soon realized that life in the field wasn't going to be quite like the rarefied atmosphere of the Missionary Training Center. So, too, for all of us, upon leaving a sweet session in the temple or concluding a particularly spiritual sacrament meeting. Remember that when Moses came down from his singular experience on Mount Sinai, he found his people had corrupted themselves, it said, and had turned aside quickly. There they were at the foot of the mountain, busily fashioning a gold calf to worship, in the very hour that Jehovah, at the summit of the mountain, had been telling Moses, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Moses was not happy with his flock of wandering Israelites that day. During his earthly ministry, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration, where the scriptures say, His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. The heavens opened, ancient prophets came, and God the Father spoke. After such a celestial experience, what does Jesus come down the mountain to find? Well, first, an argument between his disciples and their antagonists over a failed blessing administered to a young boy. Then he tried to convince the twelve, unsuccessfully it turns out, that he would soon be delivered up to local rulers who would kill him. Then someone reminded that a tax was due, which was forthrightly paid. Then he had to rebuke some of the brethren because they were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. All of this led him to say, O faithless generation, how long shall I suffer you? He had occasion to ask that question more than once during his ministry. No wonder he longed for the prayerful solitude of mountaintops. Realizing that we all have to come down from peak experiences to deal with the regular vicissitudes of life, may I offer this encouragement as General Conference concludes. First of all, 
if in the days ahead you see not only limitations in those around you, but also find elements in your own life that don't yet measure up to the messages you've heard this weekend, please don't be cast down in spirit and don't give up. The gospel, the church, these wonderful semi-annual gatherings are intended to give hope and inspiration. They're not intended to discourage you. Only the adversary, the enemy of us all, would try to convince us that the ideals outlined in General Conference are depressing and unrealistic, that people don't really improve, that no one really progresses. And why does Lucifer give that speech? Because he knows he can't improve. He can't progress. That world's without end, he will never have a bright tomorrow. He's a miserable man bound by eternal limitations, and he wants you to be miserable too. Well, don't fall for that. With the gift of the Atonement of Jesus Christ and the strength of heaven to help us, we can improve. And the great thing about the gospel is we get credit for trying, even if we don't always succeed. When there was a controversy in the early church, regarding who was entitled to heaven's blessings and who wasn't, the Lord declared to the prophet Joseph Smith, Verily I say unto you, the gifts of God are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep my commandments and for them that seeketh so to do. Boy, aren't we all thankful for that added provision? and seeketh so to do. That's been a lifesaver because sometimes that's all we can offer. We take some solace in the fact that if God were to reward only the perfectly faithful, he wouldn't have much of a distribution list. Please, please remember tomorrow and all the days after that that the Lord blesses those who want to improve, who accept the need for commandments and try to keep them, who cherish Christ-like virtues and strive to the best of their ability to acquire them. If you stumble in that pursuit, so does everyone. The Savior is there to help you keep going. If you fall, summon his strength. Call out like Alma, Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. He'll help you get back up. He'll help you repent and repair and fix whatever you have to fix and keep going. Soon enough, you'll have the success that you seek. As you desire of me, so it shall be done unto you, the Lord has declared. Put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously, 
Then whatsoever you desire of me in righteousness, you shall receive. I love that doctrine. It says again and again and again that we're going to be blessed for our desire to do good even as we actually strive to be so. And it reminds us that to qualify for those blessings, we must make certain we do not deny them to others. We are to deal justly, never unjustly, never unfairly. We're to walk humbly, never arrogantly, never pridefully. We're to judge righteously, never self-righteously or unrighteously. My brothers and sisters, the first great commandment of all eternity is to love God with all our heart, might, mind, and strength. That's the first great commandment. But the first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. That love is the foundation stone of eternity. And it should be the foundation stone of our daily life. Indeed, it is only with that reassurance burning in our soul that we can have the confidence to keep trying to improve, keep seeking forgiveness for our sins, and keep extending that grace to our neighbor. President George Q. Cannon once taught, No matter how serious the trial, how deep the distress, how great the affliction, God will never desert us. He never has and he never will. He cannot do it. It is not his character to do so. He will always stand by us. We may pass through the fiery furnace. We may pass through deep waters. But we shall not be consumed nor overwhelmed. We shall emerge from all these trials and these difficulties the better and the purer for them. Now, with that majestic devotion, ringing from heaven as the great constant in our lives, manifested most purely and perfectly in the life, death, and atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can escape the consequences of both sin and stupidity, our own or that of others, in whatever form they may come to us in the course of daily living. If we give our heart to God, if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, if we do the best we can to live the gospel, then tomorrow and every other day is ultimately going to be magnificent, even if we don't always recognize it as such. Why? Because our Heavenly Father wants it to be. He wants to bless us. A rewarding, abundant, and eternal life is the very object of his merciful plan for his children. It is a plan predicated on the truth that all things work together for good 
to them that love God. So keep loving. Keep trying. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep growing. Heaven is cheering you on today, tomorrow, and forever. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Isaiah cried. God giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. They that wait upon him shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. For the Lord God will hold their right hand, saying unto them, Fear not, I will help thee. Brothers and sisters, may a loving Father in heaven bless us tomorrow to remember how we felt today. May he bless us to strive with patience and persistence toward the ideals we have heard and heard proclaimed this conference weekend, knowing that his divine love and unfailing help will be with us even when we struggle. No, will be with us especially when we struggle. If gospel standards seem high and the personal improvement needed in the days ahead seems out of reach, remember Joshua's encouragement to his people when they faced a daunting future. Sanctify yourselves, he said, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I declare that same promise. It is the promise of this conference. It is the promise of this church. It is the promise of him who performs those wonders, who is himself wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Of him I bear witness. Of him I am a witness. And to him this conference stands as a testament of his ongoing work in this great latter day. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.